0: Hello and welcome back to Rewildology, the podcast that explores conservation, travel, and rewilding the planet. I'm your host, Brooke Mitchell Norman, conservation biologist and adventure traveler. All right, so in this episode, I'm actually going to try something a little bit new. The podcasting industry, I don't know if you all listen to podcasts as much as me, but it seems that there is a transition to move from strict interview styles into more solo episodes. So. In this episode and maybe in a future some future episodes if this one goes well, I want to start breaking down headlines that we see, you know just that Clickbait stuff that I keep mentioning throughout many episodes on the podcast. Like, what is actually going on on these articles? Most of which are short, that you click into them, and you're like, okay, let's actually break this down. And this idea came to me not too long ago. I try to stay up to date as much as I can, as much as any of us can, on what's going on in the world today, what is going on in conservation. And what should we be paying attention to? What are the issues that we need to definitely keep an eye on? And I follow Manga Bay, which is a nonprofit conservation news outlet. They have a great website. They have really great articles. And I really love keeping up to date on what they publish. And they had a post recently on their Instagram. And this was the title of the article that announced Quote, cash-strapped Zimbabwe pushes to be allowed to sell its ivory stockpile. Hmm. Well, that's one heck of a headline, and I definitely clicked on it to figure out, wait, what? What is going on here? And this post was by Ferrari Muckermeyer. And I do apologize if the author of this article hears this, and I completely butchered your name. I even tried to look up Google on how to pronounce it. So, again, I really apologize for that. But yeah, so this was released on June 1st, 2022. And after reading this article, well, first, I want to say I really respect the balanced view that was given in it. There was both sides that were given and a lot of facts and some context, but I really wanted to do a deeper dive into what the heck was going on. So, After I read that, the whole article, I did a Google search to figure out what details I could find. And the long and short of it, COVID wrecked conservation funds in Zimbabwe. So in Zimbabwe, conservation is mostly funded through tourism, property leases, and trophy hunting. And all of us intrepid souls know what happened during COVID. We were all locked down. Nobody was going anywhere. And the countries that heavily rely on conservation were hit the most. Maybe even some of you were directly affected by COVID. I mean, even I myself lost my conservation travel job here in the United States, as that some of you might have heard in a previous episode about my story there. So essentially what happened is their conservation funds disappeared overnight, making it pretty much impossible to pay staff, manage their park, pay park rangers, anti-poaching units, all the things that come with properly paying for and managing their conservation work in the country was gone. And from what I could find, it costs Zimbabwe around US $25 million per year to manage their parks. 3.5 million of which is for elephant management. And get this, if you're super against trophy hunting, this is gonna be a stat that might be hard for you to swallow, but is very true. $2.8 million of that 3.5 million budget comes from trophy hunters. So they definitely have a big role to play in this in conserving the country's elephant population. So this stockpile that they have is apparently 136 metric tons, which that is a shit ton, of ivory and rhino horns, which that's just thrown in there. And apparently the stockpile is worth about $600 million. I don't know where that number comes from. I try to look it up to see where that number comes from. Either way, it is A substantial amount of money that this stockpile of ivory rhino horn is worth. And considering now that tourism has been crushed for over two years now, and that is what easily $50 million there in conservation funds that completely evaporated that they don't have. So a sell like this could mean a lot. So, okay, yeah, understandable that this is being brought to the table. And apparently, it costs tens of thousands of dollars per month to guard and protect that stockpile, which again, there is no current conservation funds to fund the people that are trying to protect that stockpile from illegal activities. So it does make a little bit more sense why this issue is being brought to the table. If Zimbabwe would be allowed to sell this, then they would be saving money on guarding the pile while also making a huge amount of dough. And so Zimbabwe has decided that selling the stockpile is the best solution for them. And they're approaching CITES at the next summit to ask them to be allowed to sell their stockpile. Okay, so that is the background story. But before we make any further judgments, let's start breaking this down one by one. And of course, me being a conservationist, of course, I had to talk about the elephants first themselves. So it's estimated, or at least the last estimate, was that there's around 415,000 elephants that live across the continent of Africa, 70% of which resides in southern Africa. Of that amount, 100,000 of those live in Zimbabwe, which is double the country's current carrying capacity. And for context, the U.S. is around 25 times bigger than Zimbabwe. That is a shit ton of elephants in a country experiencing major drought, food and water insecurity, and high unemployment rates. Of course, while the vast majority of us listening love elephants and can't fathom harming one, the reality is that it's extremely difficult to live with elephants, especially if you lack the resources to properly coexist with them. So I've been to Zimbabwe and Botswana, and Botswana has the number one population in the world for elephants. They have around 130,000. So between these two countries, which are beside each other, they have around half of the continent's entire elephant population. And I have personally, with my own eyes, have seen the destruction that too many elephants on the land can cause. In Botswana, entire forests were destroyed from elephants. There was increasing, increasing conflict. And then, of course, when I was in Nepal, if you had the chance to listen to the Coexisting with Giants series, I met people that had family members killed by elephants. And so elephants don't look near as cute when it kills your family or your livelihood, especially when that's all you have. And if you're also living in a Western country like me, We don't have anything like this. It is pretty hard for us to understand on a first-person basis what it's actually like to live with something like elephants. I mean, what? We get our panties in a twist about wolves and bison and too many white-tailed deer. These are nothing in comparison to what the destruction of elephants and other large carnivores can do and, of course, other large herbivores, too. And when I was in Zimbabwe, to just further this home from personal experience, my guide was a phenomenal young man that was actually very highly educated. And he was an engineer, insanely bright guy, but there weren't any jobs. And so he became a guide because that was the only industry that he could get a job in. And I have no clue how old he was at a time, but I would imagine like 23, 24. And he had just had a brand new baby daughter who she was so cute. He actually showed me pictures of her and a wife to support with a phenomenal degree and nobody to hire him. So in Zimbabwe, the main industries are tourism, agriculture, and extractive industries like mining. And of these, only tourism promotes conservation. And if that's gone, what else do they have? So let's switch gears again and chat about CITES, which I mentioned in the very beginning part of this. So what is CITES and why are they a part of this conversation? So if you've never heard of CITES before, it stands for the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species of Wild Fauna and Flora. Yes, that is the actual name and it is a complete mouthful. So CITES was adopted in 1963 after it was identified in an IUCN meeting that the trade of endangered species needed to be cooperatively regulated across the globe. 80 countries are a part of a group, and as a group, it is decided what will and won't be allowed in the trade of endangered species. In 1989, CITES banned the sale and trade of ivory. And since then, they've allowed Zimbabwe, Botswana, and Namibia to have two mass ivory sales in 1999 and 2008, both of which resulted in sharply escalated poaching events afterwards. From what these articles had said, apparently what happened after the 2008 sale, Chinese investors swapped their investments from stocks to ivory after the market crash, knowing that the next sale of ivory wouldn't be until the earliest the next CITES meeting in 2016, which drove up prices because they were using it as an investment and poaching went rampant to get a piece of the pie. But once they started to sell their stockpiles of ivory in 2014, the price of ivory plummeted, which is all incredibly interesting facts to to consider here. And also, the Mongabay article provided two opposing but informative quotes from experts, and I really wanted to dive into these for a second. So first, they quoted Lindsay Smith, who is the senior wildlife campaigner for the Environmental Investigation Agency, and she said that allowing the legal sale of ivory will reignite poaching, as seen in previous sale-off events, which I just went through, and shouldn't even be considered a part of a conservation strategy for South African countries. She also reported that she's seen a decrease in ivory demand in poaching the longer the ivory market remains closed. On the other side of the fence, Daniel Stiles an independent illegal wildlife trade investigator, told Bay that the previous sell-off events shouldn't be used to predict what might happen after a future sale, since the factors are completely different. And, he argued, if a commodity is legal, what motives do poaching syndicates have to risk illegal harvesting of ivory? Both of these arguments are totally valid, in my view. One is saying, let's keep ivory sales completely off the table, and the other says the factors are different and past events can't be used to predict what might happen a decade and a half later. Another layer to this, in 2019, CITES also highly restricted the sale of wild elephants, making it nearly impossible for elephant-heavy countries like Bots and Zim to sell their elephants to other countries. And so what is a country to do? That means... All that is left is culling, which means killing of their elephants. The IUCN reported last year that illegal poaching for ivory is on the rise, even though the sale of ivory has been illegal for decades. So this also begs the question, would flooding the market with legally harvested ivory increase or decrease poaching of wild elephants? In East African countries like Kenya and Tanzania, heavily oppose the sale for fear of poaching increasing in their countries. If CITES tells Zimbabwe no, and the country decides to proceed with the sale anyways, then they will have to leave CITES, which could have devastating ramifications for the country. All right, so after listening to all that, you probably have your own opinion or your idea that you've come up with yourself. I don't yet have an opinion because the biggest question for me hasn't been answered and can't be answered anytime soon, and that is, Who is the ivory going to be sold to and for what purpose? For example, my husband and I talked about this issue for hours and he had an interesting solution that I want to tell all of you about as well. What if the ivory was sold to a high-end piano manufacturing company who made phenomenal pianos, sold them to affluent buyers, and then donated the profits back to Zimbabwe, essentially giving the country double the amount for their ivory stockpile? Huh. Well, that could be a possible fantastic solution. But of course, playing devil's advocate as I always do. What about the other piano or other ivory manufacturing companies that didn't get a piece of the pie? Will they be pissed and start turning to the illegal trade for being left out? That's a very possible thing that could happen and then as a result drive the illegal market in a different way. I also saw an interesting comment made by a reader on the Mongabay article essentially calling the conservation community out, a.k.a. us, and said to put our money where our mouth is. For example, Zimbabwe could sell certificates worth a certain amount of the ivory stockpile, raise the funds they desperately need, then destroy the ivory in the rhino horn. This way, the ivory never leaves the country and they still get the funds they need. At the end of the day, we need to remember these factors. This ivory is an unfortunate byproduct of Zimbabwe having a thriving elephant population with natural deaths and poaching confiscations. They also have too many elephants that need to be dispersed off of their land, and the country desperately needs money to support its population. Alright, let's come full circle on this very difficult issue. There are three potential avenues that we've touched on today, which by no means is an exhaustive list. One, destroy the entire stockpile with no sale. Two, sell the stockpile, make some serious money, and potentially reignite an onslaught of poaching. Or three, develop a creative way to use this stockpile for good. The moral question here is, do we use these animals that have already died to help conserve their living counterparts? Or do we not risk a future course of action that could potentially put the entire population at risk? So I look to see when this CITES convention is going to happen or summit, I think it's called. And it looks like it's going to be in November of this year. So it sounds like we might have some time before we're going to get an answer on this. And of course, I'm going to keep up on this because the ramifications after could be huge in more the way than one. Let's say this goes really well and Zimbabwe sells off their stockpile. They make over 600 million U.S. dollars. They kickstart their economy and there isn't an increase in poaching afterwards. Does that mean that more countries are going to follow? Does that mean that Botswana, Zambia and other countries that have a high ivory pile, are they also going to want to sell and flood the market again with additional ivory stocks and rhino horns? Or will it have the exact opposite, the the worst case scenario, which is that elephant and rhino poaching would increase all throughout their range, which of course is the last thing that we want. So yeah, I'm very interested to see what the experts decide, what these countries decide The last two CITES meetings, these three countries came to the group and asked them to police sell their stockpiles, and they were denied both times. So this is now try number three, that Zimbabwe is publicly coming forward and asking to police sell their stockpiles to help help with their economy and the conservation of their wildlife. So it's a very interesting situation. It's a very sticky one without a clear answer. And of course, as we know... (laughs) Most things in conservation is not black and white. And this is a perfect example of that. So yeah, there really isn't a resolution that I can offer to this one, which is why I really wanted to review it with you all. And yeah, I don't know. Just going through this whole entire process of looking into these articles for you all and giving you a more well-rounded view of what this issue is actually all about. So I think I am I I think I might do more. And if you like this style episode, let me know. Again, I'm going to start experimenting with these new solo style episodes and diving into a few more things that I find really interesting, just new topics, new headlines, maybe even some organizations that I'm finding around the world, especially as I get more and more connected with the global worldwide community. It's it's quite fascinating what you see out there. So yeah, let me know if you like the style episode, or if there's more topics that you would like me to review, or if you have ideas or further insight on this specific topic, which is this cash sellout of Zimbabwe's stockpile of ivory and rhino horns. Yeah, I would love to chat with you, and I'm sure the whole entire community would love to hear your thoughts as well. So, always reach out. I'm super easy to get a hold of. Uh, so Instagram at Rewildology. You can also email at hello at Rewildology.com. Any way to get a hold of me, I would love to hear your expertise and your thoughts on everything. Again, thanks so much for listening and I will keep you posted as this story develops. Hey, thanks again for listening to this episode of Rewildology. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button to never miss a future episode. Do you have a cool environmental organization, travel, story, or research that you'd like to share? Let me know at rewildology.com. Until next time, friends, together we will rewild the planet.